Welcome back to Second and Short. It is April 26, 2023. We're now a day away from the NFL draft. Uh, it's all falling apart in front of our eyes, but wouldn't really be an NFL draft without it crashing and burning days leading up. Nonetheless, we've got quite a bit to talk about, and today I'm bringing on a newcomer to the show, a day one listener, one of my favorite people to talk about football with, Michael Wall. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's an honor, and I'm ready to get down. Let's talk about this draft. All right. Well, obviously the biggest news going on right now is Aaron Rodgers. He is officially a New York Jet. Uh, Compensation-wise, the Jets uh, also received the Packers' uh, 2023 first-rounder, so they moved to number 15, and um, they also get the Packers' 2023 fifth-round pick. Packers, though, they received the Jets' 2023 first, second, and sixth and the Packers get a condi- uh, conditional 2024 second round, which becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. How do you feel about the compensation here? The Packers just fleece the Jets. With this with this payload they just got, a first, a second, and a sixth this year, a conditional second next year that's most likely going to become a first because we know Rodgers is going to play at least 65% of the downs. They just got a hole. They took away his cap off their books. And now they have all the space for Jordan Love to flourish in their system. I yeah. think I think the Packers just did what they needed to do a, a long time ago. And it's about to open up the doors for them. Yeah, I think so as well. Like it was getting to the point where it was like, okay, it's pretty clear that at this point Rodgers is done. Whether that's with football or just with the Packers, it, it's over. And for what they got out of it, I don't think they could have asked for more because Rodgers absolutely killed their leverage by making this so public and going out on the Pat McAfee show and saying that New York was where he wanted to be. It killed the Packers' leverage. And for them to get a package like this in return is much more than I would have thought they would have gotten. Exactly. The the holdout that we saw for the past couple of weeks after Rodgers made his announcement it made me feel like there was definitely something going on between the discussion between the Jets and Packers front office. And this comes to show that the Packers were not budging when they had no leverage. Yeah. A, a lot of times what we were seeing reported was that the conditional pick was what was kind of holding everything up, but it looks like um, the Jets folded on it. And yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with you. I think the Packers got a fantastic deal in this one. I agree. I, but for the futures of the Jets, I think, I mean, either way, you got a future Hall of Fame quarterback. He probably has three to four more quality high-level seasons left. This is a win-now moment for them. Yeah, and yeah. they've already they've already brought in talent to play around him. The, jo- the Jets last year had very good talent, but they bring in Alan Lazard, who's obviously familiar with an offense with Aaron Rodgers. You have already the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall is probably going to come back pretty early in the season, if not to start the season. So he's going to have a guy that was playing at an elite level last year at running back. They have so many weapons on this team, and I'm very excited to see what this team can do, especially in that division, because it's got to be one of the toughest divisions in football. Exactly. For years, we've seen it with previous quarterbacks just struggling to get it done. You got a big name guy. You got 
Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, maybe need a upgrade at tight end, but you're like they're on their way. Tyler Conklin is exciting. not Tyler Conklin's not a, a bad option there at tight end. He's not bad. You Tyler Conklin, TJ Ozama, you got some guys there, but you could always upgrade. True, true. And so just a little bit of details about this move. So uh Joe Namath did give Rodgers his blessing to wear number 12, but Rodgers will wear number eight, which was his number when he played at Cal. Um, as well as that, Rodgers is going to have his introductory press conference at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. So today, as you're listening, um, I do want to talk about this. Brees Hall put out a tweet as soon as the news came out and said that uh, his knee's starting to feel better now with this recent <laughs> news. So, look, anything to get Brees Hall back on the field sooner because he is a hell of a player to watch. Exactly. We saw what he did with Zach Zach Wilson last year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be excited for Jets fan. They're going to be excited. I honestly I also respect what Rogers did by not wearing twelve. Joe Namath is a legend. He's a Jets legend. And by it's it's just respect. Na- Namath respects him. He respects Namath. They respect the city, the team, the franchise. So I think that's a stand up thing for him to do. Yeah, I love it. And just a fun statistic to go along with this move, Aaron Rodgers in his career has recorded 10 4,000-plus yard passing seasons. Joe Namath is the only Jets quarterback to ever record a 4,000-yard season, and that was also the first time it was ever done in NFL history. So the Jets have not had a 4,000-yard season from a quarterback since the first time it was ever done. It's, it's all the psychedelic drugs Rodgers be taking. He, he's in the zone. He sees things different. Yeah, he definitely sees some things that are rather different from what we see, like the inside of an extremely dark room. <laughs> That's how you get focused. That's how you get locked <laughs> Just wait. Just wait till he's got sauce on those. Do you think you think he can become an MVP again this year? With I, don't this know, roster? I don't know about MVP. I definitely think he could be like in the talk for a lot of the season. But he's also got to stay healthy. I think people have overlooked the fact that he was not very healthy all of last year. He had the thumb issues. All sorts of stuff was going wrong. And if he's 100% healthy, I think he's always going to be an MVP candidate. That's just the kind of player he is and how he functions in an offense. He's already working in an offense where he's won an MVP before with yeah. uh, Nathaniel Hackett at offensive coordinator. So... I don't think there's going to be much of like a getting used to period. So if he does get off to a hot start and he can stay healthy, he certainly could be in the running by the end of it. Uh, I agree. I think he's a, I personally think he's an early favorite right now. Just looking at how everything's lining up. I think he has a solid chance of getting another MVP under his belt. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the other big news that came out throughout this week. Five players were suspended by the NFL for violating the NFL's gambling policy. Uh, four of them from the Lions, two of those being Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill, two wide receivers. They both got six-game suspensions. So they're two, um, though they were not gambling on NFL games, they were gambling at the Lions facility, which is against the rules. So NFL players are permitted to bet on any other sport in uh, NFL football, but they cannot do it on any team or NFL facility grounds. I think it's a great time for another gate in the NFL. We got Gamble Gate right now. And it's, I mean, it's it's a fine line that the NFL seems to have to play right now where 
to me, they're encouraging gambling with the Las Vegas move, the with the Raiders, and then the Pro Bowl you have there. So they want to get into the business of gambling, but they're making the line where players have to follow these rules that, to some, seem very unfair to them, and to others is like probably the proper protocol for how you should have players. Uh, it's it's just some bonehead moves from some players. You yeah. saw Calvin Ridley last year. You should you should learn from his mistake because now you're just hurting your team I think, and you're losing your check. I think it's also something that the NFL has kind of put themselves in this position. They're constantly promote like they're a, a big sponsor of the NFL's is DraftKings, and they're like a leading gambling site right now. So you're constantly putting DraftKings in conversations with your league. And then things like this happen where five different players all get caught. Three of them get one year suspensions. And now you're like, well, like it's their fault, but you're the ones pushing gambling on the league. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like a cash 22 for some of these players. Like you're promoting it. You're giving it to us. You're showing us you have it at all the games, DraftKings, FanDuels, etc., And then when we do it, it's a punishment. I mean, yeah. for a lot of these guys, it's just like, you just got to be open. You saw Calvin Ridley again. You saw, what was it, Josh Shaw. You saw these guys get suspended. And they weren't even betting on themselves. So, like, just, you, you got to play it smart. Yeah, it's a, a crazy, crazy thing to happen. Um, but the three players that got the one-year suspensions, uh, Lions safety, C.J. Moore, Lions wide receiver Quintez Cephas and Commanders defensive end Shaka Tony. Uh, the Lions released Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore following this um, announcement, so that's it's not that surprising. Uh, these are two guys that they're not like huge game changers on this team, and if they're going to be out for a year, you don't really need them anymore. Um, interesting stuff though. CJ Moore. Um, actually re-signed over the offseason and he will still receive his signing bonus. Yeah. Get your money any way you can, man. Yeah. He's gonna need it. He's not gonna have a job for a year. <laughs> I will say Quintus Evis is a young guy that I do respect. I like his game. I think once the suspension's over, he will get picked up. Oh yeah, I think so as well. But also, does this kind of throw a wrench in the Lions' draft plans? Because they, <laughs> for the first six games, they've gonna they're gonna have three wide receivers suspended. Well, really two because they cut Quintez Cephas. But yeah, of course you still have Amon Ross St. Brown, but you really don't have all that much in the receiving core. Yeah, it's it's definitely gonna become a focus for them in this draft. I think it won't be as prevalent as since they dealt with missing Jameson Williams last year. They'll look to probably pick somebody up, but I don't think it'll change things that much for them. Yeah, I have a feeling it'll probably be a later round. I think with where they're picking it in the draft right now at number six, it'd be hard to just pivot to taking a wide receiver. That's true, and they they did pick up Marvin Jones Jr. too this offseason, so I think they'll, they'll be alright. They'll definitely pick somebody up to fill some holes, but I think they'll be alright for the most part. All right, Baltimore Ravens fans, you better be excited because your Pro Bowl quarterback is staying. That's right. Tyler Huntley signed his free ag- or restricted free agent tender, so he will be returning to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure you wish this was about Lamar Jackson, but 
It's still a Pro Bowl quarterback. It it still blows my mind how things like how all the dominoes fell for him to get a Pro Bowl. He has the same number of Pro Bowls as Matthew Stafford. That is nuts. What? Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. That is crazy. That is, <laughs> I, I I mean, he, they need somebody. Until Lamar signs that tender, that uh, restricted free agent, or what was it? Uh, his is going to be his uh, franchise tag. He's franchise tag. That. Yeah. Until he signs that franchise tag, they need somebody in that building. This might give them reasons to draft a quarterback if they're unsure of Lamar staying. But, I mean, Tyler Huntley was serviceable. He's not that great, but he was serviceable at the end of the season last year. So something's better than nothing. Yeah, and it's been two weeks since the Odell Beckham Jr. signing, which a lot of people thought was kind of the first domino to fall for Lamar's return, but we hadn't really heard anything over these last two weeks. We learned a few hours ago, uh, a couple of teammates said it, uh, and a lot of the reporters are saying that it's now expected that Lamar will sign a long-term deal this offseason. I hope so. I know early the, in the offseason we saw that he had an offer for Jalen Hurts, similar contract where he was making probably fifty million less or one million less than the what Jalen Hurts made. I think that he, if that's true, he's put himself in a bad situation with the whole agent scandal and everything like that. If they're offering him something comparable to Jalen Hurts, he needs to sign it. Even though I know Baltimore hasn't given the most receivers the most help, I think he needs to get a deal done and let them turn the page and get on to making the playoff run. Yeah, I, I think that at this point in the offseason as well, it's like, okay, you got to make up your mind. And obviously, ha- half of this ha- is on the Raiders because obviously if Lamar is going to come back, he wants a long-term deal. And if they're not going to give him it, why would he want to play for them? Exactly. I mean, where where has his money gone? They haven't had a top receiver Besides Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, Demarcus Ware, Devin Duvernay, since he's gotten here, those were probably his best receivers. So it's not like they're giving him the greatest help, and he still won the MVP. Just pay, give the man the bag. Yeah, he deserves it. I, 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 a lot of people try and you know take shots at his game and the success of the Ravens, but he hasn't been given much to work with. And like you said, he's won an MVP. With this team, he's taken them to the playoffs a couple of times now, and it just seems like they haven't been willing to make the moves. Finally, they've made at least one move to get him a weapon, and now they can't even agree on money. Yeah, it's, I mean, it also shows that, like, all the teams that shied away from him, the Falcons, uh, Houston, a lot of these teams that were using injury as a concern, it's, it seems like there's something out against him. And I'm not sure what it is, but he's he's an all-world talent. He has the physical tools. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what you think it is, but there's it feels like there's a conspiracy against him. Yeah, I think that part of it might be that he is representing himself. It definitely makes the situation much more difficult. Obviously, there's guys throughout the league that have gotten plenty of money. Laramie Tunsil being one of them. I believe he uh, represented himself as well as uh, Roquan Smith, who's a part of this team. So they haven't, they've had to deal with this in the past, and they put out a bag for Roquan Smith. So what makes this any different? 
I think he carries. He still carries that. Uh, he should be a running back. He should be a wide receiver stigma. And I thought he dropped it when he got MVP. I thought that kind of shut it off him. But it just seems like people are scared of him being injured and not knowing that he'll be there available when it kind of counts. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, let's move on though to the Cardinals' new jerseys and a, a little bit of an update on the logo. Let's start with the jerseys though. The home jersey looks like Oklahoma's jersey, like the University of Oklahoma. The away jersey looks like the 49ers away jersey. And the alternate looks like Ohio State's alternate. So it's interesting. A couple of people have pointed that out on social media, but I don't hate the jerseys. I just, like, they're much better than what they had. I think the the alternate and the away jersey are the the better of the three, the home is a very, it's mid. It's like that Arizona font over the number. It's just, it's kind of corny. It's cheesy. It doesn't, it doesn't look, it doesn't fit. Did you, did you watch the like unrevealing of it? Yeah, I watched a part of it, but, and like, I've seen that they're going to do like a couple of different, um, like versions of these. So, you know, you might see red jersey, white pants, you know, all sorts of mixed up stuff. I do like what they did with the helmet, though. Um, I do appreciate kind of enhancing that logo from just being yeah. like a solid color on the helmet, giving it some texture, kind of giving it more of like a 3D look. And then I don't really understand the silver flakes on the helmet. I think that's just you know, <laughs> there. I don't get it. And, and they're making a real big deal of it. But it's an in-game thing. You have to be there to enjoy it. Yeah. But it's it, they're 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 minimalistic. They they're all right. They're not terrible. They're not the worst in the NFL. They're not the greatest, clearly. But it's I mean it's something new. It's an improvement to what they've had in years past, especially like that old Reebok version. It's it's an improvement. Yeah, I fully agree. Let's talk about a couple of guys that got their fifth-year options picked up this uh, this week, mainly in the last two days. So the biggest one being the Bengals. They picked up Joe Burrow's fifth-year option, and this one kind of surprised me. I was under the impression that they were going to try and get an extension done this offseason. It appears that that's possibly not the case. Could be something that they do throughout this season. They probably just want a little bit more time to figure this out, figure out the numbers, especially following this huge Jalen Hurts contract. You definitely got to think about where you're at right now. I think for the Bengals, it's becoming close to that time where they have to definitely worry about their cap space and the money they have allocated for a lot of these players because you're going to have to give Joe Burrows the bag. He's the big name. He's your franchise guy. And once you pay him, you're shrinking in what you can pay your other people. You still have to pay um, – why am I skipping his name? Jamar Chase. You still have T. Higgins. You have a lot of these guys that you still have to pay, and you're not going to have much money if you don't get it right. So I think they're just kind of kicking the can a little bit for as long as they can so they can figure out how to match that budget up perfectly. Yeah, and I think that's the same about the Vikings are in. The Vikings, they picked up Justin Jefferson's fifth-year option, and it seems like the exact same kind of move where it's like we don't really know how to value this guy because, honestly, in this you know kind of – generation at this point we haven't seen wide receivers put up these kind of numbers in this kind of market and the the way that Justin Jefferson is such a big part of this team like 
they could pay him a quarterback salary, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're you're absolutely right. I think especially you said this with Justin Jefferson, you're gonna see it with CD Lamb. The these players are gonna kind of set the the standard for what wide receivers are gonna make. I know last year I think AJ Brown got four years, a hundred million. So is it going to be based off that type of talent? Because to me, Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb are better than AJ Brown. And you're gonna have to pay them the bag either way, or you're gonna lose them. So I think they need to get it done early. One of them is going to set the president for the other, and we're going to see how that plays out to affecting the team's financials. Yeah, I think that the Vikings probably want to wait on the Cowboys to make a move here because with the Cowboys picking up CD's fifth-year option, obviously I think Justin Jefferson is worth a couple more million a year than CD Lamb just by watching them play and their importance to the offenses. But I think that... If the Cowboys kind of make the first move, I could definitely see CD getting more than AJ Brown. And then it's going to be almost immediately followed up by Justin Jefferson getting even more than CD Lamb. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be the highest paid receiver for a while. Well, yeah. We got Jamar Chase next year, but I think that he's going to kind of set a nice bar for a lot of wide receivers to get paid after him. Yeah. And like with AJ Brown making 25 a year. Do you see Justin Jefferson making somewhere closer to 40? 40, that's 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 a lot. I, I think he's gonna be in the 30, the 30 million. He's gonna be paid around the 30 million because I, I don't think they set the bar that high for other receivers because that's uh, I can't remember a receiver who got paid that much ever. I don't know if there is. What what's Tyreek Hill's current contract? Let me let me check that real quick. Because I'm pretty sure he's getting paid a fairly big one. Yeah, so he's on a so he's making thirty right now a year. Tyreek Hill is, and I believe he's the highest paid wide receiver. So does that mean? Because Tyreek Hill, even he said it himself, he's going to retire after year ten. So this is probably as high as his contract value is going to get. If he's at thirty, and he's almost 30 years old, making $30 million a year. Justin Jefferson has numerous, numerous years ahead of him. Do you see him getting 35? I say no, just for, the, for that simple fact that he does have years on him. I don't think they try to extend him that far where in the future it's going to be almost impossible for them to pay. Tyreek is at the end of his career, so they can give him that like exorbitant contract. If you give a Justin Jefferson, uh, one of these CD Lamb, one of these young guys, that type of contract, if you want them to stay on that team, you're going to be pushing 40, 45 in the next eight years. So I think they, they keep it a little bit under under like 40. They keep it like 35. It's like kind of the prime of where they're going to be. Yeah, and the thing is, is that the market's going to change. Every year, it's going to change. There's going to be another wide receiver that needs to get paid. And I think that's what makes it so hard to go long-term, especially on a wide receiver, because there could be guys that only play for like eight years. Like Calvin Johnson was barely in the league at all, and he never really got like the giant contract that he probably deserved because he never was like really known to be like it wasn't a thought that he was going to be around all that long throughout his career, but guys like Justin Jefferson, we just have no idea. 
it, it's only been a couple of years. And I think that though his impact is insane, I, like we're not going to see him get anything over four years, I don't think. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I think he's going to be one of those four-year contracts. If the Vikings can hold on to him, I think, I think after this extension, if the Vikings hold on to him, he'll get that bag. He'll get that Tyree Hill type bag. But I, I just don't see, like you said, there's so much that changes year to year with a lot of these wideouts and just the durability, like even with like Debo, that you just don't know and you can't give them such a huge contract if you don't have that certainty. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk real quick though. Following Josh Allen's statements, uh, I believe it was last week, he said that he was going to be altering his approach to better protect himself, uh, you know, when getting tackled, everything like that. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni said, We didn't pay Jalen more for him to do less. So essentially saying, just because he got paid doesn't mean he's going to stop running, doesn't mean he's going to stop trying to truck people, which it's Jalen Hurts' game, honestly. And if, and I think that's kind of goes the same way for Josh Allen. So I was kind of surprised to see him saying that, being that Josh Allen is actually the long, he has the longest active QB streak or starting streak uh, in the NFL right now. I agree. I think it's, it's a little lip service when Josh Allen said it. I think he, it, it seems from like a outside perspective that, hey, he's taking like, he's looking at his game. He knows that if he keeps taking hits like he's doing, his arm might not hold up. His legs will not, not hold up. It's like he's going to feel it. But I think, like, you can't change Josh Allen's game. His game is his game. He's going to run when he has to. He's going to truck through guys. He's a big physical player. I think he said he's a football player before a quarterback. So I think, I mean, does on the outside, he does need to take care of his body. I think he does need to try to adapt and change his game a little. Do I think it's going to happen? I doubt it. Yeah, I, I kind of see it in the same light because like, even for Jalen Hurts, it's like, okay, he's still a pretty big quarterback. I don't think people realize that because of how fast he really is, but he's still got like a relatively wide build and he can take a hit. The thing is, like, like you just said, Josh Allen, you don't know if he's going to hold up. We saw that Jalen Hurts was got a little banged up at the end of last year. The shoulder got messed up. It definitely affected the way that he ran the ball, um, you know, going into the playoffs and so forth. I don't think it, we're going to see his game change. I just think that maybe the Eagles will get a little bit more conservative with their play calling for him. I think for both these teams, the biggest change, if they really care about their quarterback, the biggest thing they can do is get them a running back. Especially Buffalo, if they can get Josh on a running back, there's no reason he should be being one of the top leagues and rushers on this team. If they get him a running back and he only has to run on like either design plays or when it's absolutely necessary, I think he'll hold up. I think he'll be fine. But getting them a run game will extend their careers. It'll extend their chances of making deep playoff runs. And I think that's like the prime thing they need to set out for this draft or for the rest of free agency. Yeah, I love it. Uh, some interesting news here. Aaron Rodgers reportedly tried to recruit Calais Campbell to the Jets before he signed his deal with the Falcons. What do you think about this, Mike? You're trying to steal from us. I think the Falcons are creating something special. I think defensively, they're they're doing 
they're trying to change that narrative of how we've been had a lackluster pass rush, how we've just been kind of the bottom tier team defensively. And I love it. I think that them going to get Calais Campbell's that shows me that Aaron Rodgers does not want to face up against them. Yeah, that, that shows me that he does not want anything. He wants them to be on his team. So I love to get the veteran presence of Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree. I, I just love what they're doing. Yeah, and the other additions like David Onyemata, and then most likely somebody in the draft as well that's going to be a pass rusher. I, I think that they are building something fantastic. Though they did release Casey Hayward this week. Uh, I believe what I saw is that he failed a physical, and that's why they released him. But you know, it's it's a tough loss because he's only spent a season with us. But you know, his impact was there, but obviously it wasn't enough. We were one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL last year. Losing a player like Casey Hayward, I mean, he's a veteran presence. He's been around the league a long time. It it's going to hurt from a leadership aspect, but we did make a trade for Jeff Okuda from the Lions, and I think that kind of balances out. Jeff Okuda is like a great kind of he plays like a nickel slot corner position and I think he'll fit in perfectly. We're definitely I can see us definitely getting a corner or DB in the draft. It the case here with loss hurts, but I don't think it was gonna impact us as much as it seems. Yeah, I just realized that I was thinking of uh Lorenzo Carter and not Casey Hayward when I read his name. That's why I said pass rush. But Casey Hayward, he didn't play all that bad in the secondary last year, but I think that Jeff Okuda, though he has not been what people thought he was, I think he's definitely going to fill that role just fine. Yeah, he'll he'll be he's a great addition to our team. Casey with Casey Hayward being released off a of failed physical, I've read that it's also a like like a light. It's a possibility for him to return to the team because it was off his torn pectoral. So I think that later on in the season, once he's fully healed, it's. A possibility that he comes back to the Falcons. Got it. All right. Let's talk about an interesting statement from uh, Cardinals GM Steve Kime. He said that Nick Bosa warned him and Cliff Kingsbury after his pre-draft visit in 2019. He said, I think you guys are probably going to take that little QB. And if you do, I will haunt you for the rest of your career. I love, I've, I love Nick Bosa. I love that. I love that energy. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. The fact that he couldn't even just call him Kyler Murray. And in the fact that when Steve Kime said that this is what Nick Bosa said, he still used little QB because he could have changed this. <laughs> but instead, Steve Kime just still said that Kyler Murray is a little quarterback, which he's not the Cardinals GM anymore, so it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, Nick Bosa was spitting facts. I think he's definitely going to haunt the Cardinals for the rest of their careers. No, definitely. Um, he, the what, what's the GM's name again? Steve Kime. Steve Kimes, yeah. He he also said that Kyler got him that extension that he had, and he said Nick Bosa would probably have gotten fired. Which, in all actuality, is the truth. A quarterback is more likely to change the team's trajectory more than a DN or a defensive player in general. So, coming from the Cardinals aspect that year, I think that was 2019 that he got drafted. Yeah. I, it was the right choice to make if you were trying to improve your team. Is Nick Bosa the better player? I think so. I would have probably chosen Nick Bosa because I love defense. But from the Cardinals' point of front office point of view, I think Kyler Murray's the proper player yeah, to pick. They 
had the number one overall pick. They had to take the best quarterback available at the time, and it just happened that it was Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, that's how the dominoes fall. Nick Bosa is going to haunt them, though. That's true. And there was other quarterback options in this draft, but it wasn't great. Like, the second quarterback off the board was Daniel Jones at six, which you could possibly argue that Daniel Jones is better than Kyler Murray. I don't think I'm willing to exhaust myself that much to make that argument. But, you know, otherwise, this draft was not very quarterback heavy. It was really just Kyler Murray. Because other than him, um, the other quarterbacks taken, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, RIP Dwayne Haskins, that whole story is fucking crazy. And um, and then Drew Locke in the second round was the fourth quarterback off the board. So I, I don't blame them at all for taking Kyler Murray here. Just the wrong year to take a quarterback, I guess. Yeah, he might have wanted to trade down or go ahead and draft Nick Bosa. You could have. But let's talk about Ryan Tannehill because it appears he may be available entering the draft. So are the Titans just going to trade off another piece of their offense during the draft again? I've been seeing rumors about Tannehill and also Derrick Henry. So it it looks like they're in a rebuilding state. I think that it's going to be – it's going to be interesting. I, I, I have no idea of where they're going because Tannehill is serviceable. He might not be the guy to get you to a Super Bowl, but he is serviceable to keep you competitive for the next two, three years. Yeah, so, it, and they've proved that they can have an efficient offense with him at quarterback. The problem is, first of all, last year, the injury, but it's just a matter of like being able to do more than you're asked of. That's what the best quarterbacks in the NFL can do. They can do more than what their job entails. Ryan Tannehill just can't. He is simply, like as you put it, he is serviceable, but he's, he can't excel in, in anything, really. That's, that's, that's an interesting take. I, I For the Titans especially, it's kind of hard because they're another team that doesn't provide much for their quarterback. They let A.J. Brown go. Who They just don't give them any weapons you make Derrick Henry your workhorse he is going to get hurt eventually like I don't wish this on him but he's going to get injured it's the nature of the sport what are you surrounding with that team to release from load to allow him to be able to be more of a passing quarterback it's it's a rough position for a lot of these quarterbacks when you just don't have weapons yeah and like they took Traylon Burks last year who He's a, a He was a great option at where they were picking, but I feel like as a wide receiver, he didn't fit this very well because Traylon Burks is kind of, he's a little bit of a jump ball threat, but I think what they're looking for is like a pure receptions first slot receiver, and that's just not Traylon Burks. I think they have a fantastic opportunity to get Jackson Smith and Jigba in this draft, which he is exactly that. He is a receptions guy. He's a force in the middle of the field. And yes, he can make plays downfield, but you don't need him to. And with Tannehill at quarterback, you're kind of limited from doing that. So you, if you get the right guys, it'll work out. But, you know, it, I think it's just a drafting problem right now for the Titans. It definitely is. And a lot of teams go through that kind of motion of they're having just years of mid and terrible drafting. Jackson and Jigba is a great 
pick. He's like a glove fit for them. He kind of his route tree is very impressive. So I think that it's if they do go that route, I think that's the first step in correcting kind of the mediocre seasons they've had, especially with the loss of AJ Brown. Yeah, and then kind of on the other side of this is though he's available for trade, is Ryan Tannehill a quarterback that any of the teams right now are looking to you know give up a pick for? Not a first. That's um, what I'm thinking. It's like it, he's not getting traded on day one. Any any teams looking for a quarterback are doing it through the draft. All the quarter, most of the quarterbacks going first round will probably have a higher upside than Tannehill can offer right now. So I I just don't see any team needing that. He might end up if he doesn't stay with the Titans, he might end up as a backup somewhere. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the teams that even like they could take a quarterback in this draft that aren't up at the top and aren't going to get those top guys, I think they're going to be complacent with waiting another year. I, I see Houston moving back. I think Davis Mills will be fine. He's not a great quarterback. He's not a good quarterback, but I think they hold on to him before going to trade for a Tannehill-esque quarterback. Yeah, and with all this talk, and of course we're going to get into this, but with all this talk of the Texans trading the second pick, they also pick at 12, and it's not kind of out of the realm of possibilities that they take a quarterback there. If they wanted to, they could pick up Hendon Hooker there. It would be a little bit of a reach in my mind. But, a little. Okay, it's a bit of it, it's it's quite a reach. But, you know, there is some people that valued him in the first round. So if the Texans value Hendon Hooker in the first round and understand that he's probably not going to be 100% with the season starts and you're going to have to deal with Davis Mills for a few more weeks, then I don't see a problem with them taking him at 12 if they want to go for a big defensive player at two. I mean, I honestly think for the Texans, that's the right move to make. You are in a position where if you can surround your future quarterback, even if it's a later round pick, you will be fine. You will be good to make a run, and you don't need to go and reach for C.J. Stroud or try to get Bryce Young if he was available. Yeah. Let's talk about last year's Mr. Irrelevant, though. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, he was on the New Heights podcast with the Kelsey brothers, and they asked him to tell his best trash-talking story from the NFL. And in his only a few-game-long career, he said... Uh, in the playoff game against the Seahawks, um, he didn't give a name, but he said a Seahawks linebacker was cussing him out, telling me, dude, you're white. You can't high step me. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, you have to give respect for Purdy. He, he stepped up in a different way where you're getting former players from the Legion of Boom call you out, trying to get into your head, trying to affect your game. So it's I mean, he. Went from mystery relevant to mystery relevant to Mister relevant, and he's done a lot for the Niners to make them look at kind of Trey Lance in the way where like eh, you might yeah. be available for trade. I I don't think there's been a lot of times where uh, a first year final round of the draft, let alone the final pick of the draft, has ever been like making a franchise think. You know, this guy that we picked in the top five a couple of years ago, maybe we should get rid of him. I don't I don't recall the time. I mean, he played well. It will be interesting seeing how it continues to this current upcoming season. But 
I mean, he's done what they asked him, especially being so young and having the raw ability. Does he have a lot to work on? He does. But it's, I mean, you have to tip your cap to him. He played well, and he gets respect from the defense. Defensive players don't do that to you unless they kind of have a respect for you. Yeah, and I think that he kind of, he was in a very good position to do exactly what he did. And obviously everybody's like, well, in Shanahan's offense, you could put whatever quarterback and it'd be good. Look, Brock Purdy was a good quarterback in college. He wasn't, obviously wasn't scouted very well, but a guy that, um, you know, we're going to talk about S2 cognition tests, but Brock Purdy was a guy that did fantastic on that. It's it's a mental thing for Brock Purdy. The kid just doesn't make mistakes. And that's what we saw, even in that small sample size. It just seems like he doesn't, he doesn't do anything wrong very often. And that is a huge part of his game. You know, whether you could, you could definitely question his skill set and you could question, you know, some of the things he's done, but his decision making was second to none in that stretch of games that he played in. And that's what you see in a lot of great quarterbacks. That is one skill set and kind of intangible that you see is their decision making and staying calm the pressure, making the simple, easy reads. That's how you win ball games. You don't have to, you can go out and extend plays with your legs, kind of go and side throw like Patrick Mahomes, but the like Pat, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, they make nice, concise throws. They look for their pocket. They step up. That's a lot of the kind of aspects Brock Purdy has, and he has some growth to do, but the 49ers can put him in a prime position to be a solid quarterback. Yeah. All right. Our last thing before we get into a little bit of draft talk, Jerry Jones went ahead and just put Mike McCarthy on the hot seat himself. He said that drafting is not our problem. Coaching is. I mean, he's not wrong. No, he is definitely not. But at the same time, he's the guy who's put them, all these coaches there. And I'm kind of, I'm honestly tired of Jerry Jones. I think he needs to sit his behind down and let Will McClay do his job. Yeah. Just, it's old. Jerry World, Jerry Jones, America's team. You put Mike McCarthy there. Y'all were decent. You have Dak Prescott. You had Jason Garrett. Y'all were mid. Y'all were an eight and eight. You had Wade Phillips, kind of mid. Bill Parcell, kind of mid. So it's like you just you keep putting these people there. And the only kind of common factor, the common denominator is you. The last time you won a Super Bowl was what, 80, 98? Was that the Emmett Smith years? It, like I believe so. You you aren't doing anything but getting in the way of a lot of these guys and kind of becoming like a show horse. Like, just just calm down. Be an owner. Be in the box. Watch the game. Let the people you pay millions do their job. It's just old to me. Yeah, and like, in the kind of the middle of all this, he talked about why, um, you know, he hasn't appointed a GM under him as owner, and he has remained the general manager of the Cowboys. And he said that once he once somebody can sign the checks, then they can be the GM, which is the dumbest fucking thing ever. Look, I get it. Jerry Jones thinks he's a genius because he's hired one good coach ever. And that good coach won him a couple Super Bowls. But it's just 
it's crazy for him to continue to think that he's doing a good job because he can sit here and say that drafting is not our problem, coaching is. He's involved in the decision-making for both of those things. Exactly. Offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, head coach, draft personnel. Every aspect of this team, he has a hand in. He, To me, he's the main problem on why America's team is becoming a property franchise right before our eyes. They have just become kind of mid. You've had, you have had immaculate talent on that team. Tony Romo is one of the most riotous quarterbacks. His knowledge is just out of this world. You've had Zeke. You have had Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin. You've had all this talent. And it just seems like they've all gone to waste with the exception of those Emmitt Smiths. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. And I just, I feel like at this point, this is probably the last straw for Mike McCarthy. I think that's pretty obvious. He's got to put together a very good season, which last year they had a very good year. Uh, obviously, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't do it in the playoffs, but you can't really ask much more of them. I think a loss that I found was that in the 34 seasons, Jerry Jones owning the Cowboys, they've made 17 playoff appearances and three Super Bowls. That, to me, isn't a terrible stat for a franchise. He made the playoffs half the times as he's on the team. But I was saying, I mean, he's, they've made the playoffs half the, half the amount of times that Jerry Jones has been there. That is a stat a lot of other teams can't say. They've won three Super Bowls while he's been there. You, you just had to find a time to step back and let the front office do their jobs and just give it a change. Yeah, he's essentially just screwing over a franchise that he owns by continuing to be the general manager and just continues to choose, like, he chooses to do nothing about it. I just, I think it's a ridiculous move by him to just continue doing this when it obviously has not worked. It's, it's going to be an interesting road for them to see if there's going to be a change soon, hopefully. All right, well, let's get into some draft talk. Let's start with this one. It's just... Real interesting. Mike Tomlin says that the Steelers have, in quotes, touched more guys in this process than we ever have. Oh, Mike Tomlin. He is a player's coach, and this is what he means. Bro, you you can't be saying that when you're in the state of Pennsylvania. Bad history. <laughs> we know, yeah. I mean, I mean, they have to. They they have to get more players into that organization. They have to look and find all the diamonds in the rough. And Mike Tomlin is one of the guys who do that. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job of, of it. They they draft very well. They have been a very good franchise. Like, last year, you know, people thought they were going to be extremely bad. They were in the playoff race all the way up until the end, which, you know, obviously they weren't a Super Bowl contender. But the fact that that team, with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, was that close to even making the playoffs is crazy. Great coaching, great enforcement of a culture. The thing about the Steelers is they will have a culture that they're going to play tough, hard, and consistent. And you saw that they have their ups and downs. Definitely getting a new uh, young quarterback, you have your growing pains, but they still look like they have every possibility of making playoff run year after year after year. Yeah, 
They, they certainly do. Let's talk about the S2 cognition test leak. So this got put out by Bob McGinn. Um, the scores came in, the ones that he at least announced. There was an article that had a lot more, uh, but it's not really all that important. So Bryce Young uh, scored in the 98th percentile. Will Levis scored in the 93rd percentile. Uh, Anthony Richardson in the 79th percentile. Hendon Hooker in the 46th percentile. And the biggest surprise of them all, C.J. Stroud in the 18th percentile amongst all the people that have taken the S2 cognition test, which has been going on for a couple of years. A lot of people have kind of misinterpreted this stuff. So it, it is not, it's not a wonder lick. So this is not like an IQ type test. It is simply cognitive skills. And that it's not that he got 18% of the questions right, nor did Bryce Young get 98% of the questions right. It's that they it's a percentile. So CJ Stroud has done as good as or you know better than 18% of the people that have taken the test. Obviously, if Bryce Young really did get 98%, that's absolutely fantastic. But the thing here is that there's been a lot of people saying that some of these scores are just wrong and that it could be that this leak because only a couple of teams have access to S2 testing every year this leak could be a ploy by the few teams that have it to drop the stock of players so that they fall in the draft I mean if that is true you need to give all of those teams the front office whoever's doing it raises because the way I've seen CJ Stroud drop in Recent draft models is ridiculous. Um, yeah, we we know Bryce Young has a lot of intangibles. You see how he played at Alabama. I think you can see that there's some truth and, vidula, and validity in it, but you also have to take everything with a grain of salt. It's it really doesn't mean much to a lot of the fans and the casuals. That's something like more GMs and front offices care about. It's it's a it's a rough thing to have that out there, and it can affect how players get paid. But I mean, you have to roll with the punches for a lot of these guys. Yeah, and Peter Schrager uh, went on pardon my take and said that he heard that there was one quarterback that had more impressive testing than Bryce Young, but said that that quarterback is not one that everybody's very high on. So, you know, the fact that Bryce Young had a, scored in the ninety eighth percentile, you know, allegedly, the fact that there's somebody that did better is very crazy, and it could be a guy that maybe nobody was talking about. We end up seeing him maybe day two or three. Exactly. So it's like it, it can affect a lot of things. I think a lot of teams can should take it with a grain of salt, and a lot of people shouldn't dig too deep into it. It, I mean, you can have great cognitive, cognitive, cognitive abilities, but if it doesn't transfer to the NFL level, then it means nothing. Exactly. Um. Let's talk here real quick. Uh, a couple of executives. This happens every year right before the draft. We always see these reports that are like, this executive told me this, but um, an AFC GM was asked about the Panthers' interest in Bryce Young, said, they're taking him, just ride it in. I would bet my house. What his house looks like, because, I mean, I don't think he's wrong. I think a lot of... There's, I think, especially this year, there Bryce Young is the one player that I would honestly be shocked if he does not go number one. 
he has pretty much everything. The only the only negative that people really can say about him is his size, and the way he plays is bigger than his size. He plays on a he plays huge. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing with Drew Brees. Uh, that's been kind of his comparison throughout this whole process. Is he similar build to Drew Brees? They have a similar skill set. Obviously, Drew Brees one of the best all time. So that's a guy that you definitely love to be compared to. No, definitely. So it's, I mean, I, I, I agree with what they say. I think you can always see when they're trying to put a little smoke into the water, make it a little cloudy, but I, I agree with this. Yeah. Uh, I will say though, Will Levis has for some reason uh, absolutely jumped up in odds to be the number one overall pick. Uh, he was sitting Pretty pretty uh crazy odds for him to be the first overall pick, and now sitting at only plus five hundred. So honestly, this is just another sign of we have no idea what the fuck's happening in this draft. I I hope you remember our little friendly bet we going we have going on because I I don't have any faith in Will Levis. I think he will be a first rounder. I don't think he's going to be a top five pick. Uh, the size thing is great and all, but his body of work for what he's shown at Kentucky doesn't do enough for me. The thing is, is, you know, we've been hearing now that CJ Stroud's going to drop, but there is at least two teams there in the top four that are drafting a quarterback. And I'll, I'll be honest. I think that any team that has this idea in their head that Anthony Richardson is a day one starter in the NFL, they are severely wrong. And they're going to put his career in jeopardy by making that decision. So, if the Colts draft Anthony Richardson, I don't think it works out. If they draft Will Levis, I think they're at least in a better position to start. I just don't think he has the potential of other quarterbacks in this draft. So, it, that, I mean, that becomes the point of where are you choosing the future of your franchise or are you trying to go a uh, win-now situation or a kind of be as productive now? And I'm an Anthony Richards guy. I think his physical gifts, his athleticism will outweigh whatever Will Levis can produce for you year one if you give him a year to sit and grow. Same thing that kind of the Patty Mahomes method or the sit and wait will probably reap a greater role going with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. And that's why I think that the Colts are not really in a position to take Anthony Richardson because there's not a quarterback on that roster that deserves to be a starting quarterback right now. And if you're willing... Who? Matthew Ryan. He got cut. What? I'm pretty sure he got cut, like, at the beginning of the offseason. I could be wrong. That would be news to me. I... Um, let's see. He is a free agent. My heart, my heart is broken for him. But anyways, I mean, you're then you're absolutely right. I mean, they are in a position where they need somebody and they can't wait. So, I, I mean, now that you put it that way, that that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I just they're not in a position to sit a top four pick in the draft. So I think you have to go Will Levis or CJ Stroud if he's there. No, you're, you're right. I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. All right, let's talk a little bit more executive an AFC executive calls Anthony Richardson the hardest evaluation he's ever done. He said in quotes, 13 fucking starts and six wins. 
and he looks like a fucking pass rusher. Runs 4-4, and he has some extinct, instinctive shit on tape. This is a fantastic breakdown of what Anthony Richardson is. I'll say that. He needs to make that his bio, because, I mean, that it's true. He, he has freak abilities. He runs like hell. He just doesn't have the body of work to prove. And you also played at Florida. Yeah. Yeah, the U is not very good at producing quarterbacks. <laughs> not, not whatsoever. I mean, Tim Tebow is just the last guy that anybody caves a rat's ass about. Yeah, and he certainly didn't do it for him. I mean, maybe, maybe Richardson should play tight end. Maybe. That would be so interesting to see Anthony Richardson play a different position. I mean, he's, he's talented. Height, yeah. length, speed. He'd be like Taysom Hill. <laughs> Multi-threat. Same Cam doing too. Yeah. Let's talk, though. An NFC executive was asked about Stetson Bennett. He said he's done some dumb shit, but you kind of like him. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. Here you go. Go ahead and not draft me or take me late and piss me off some more. I think this is a fantastic breakdown of Stetson Bennett because he certainly has done some dumb shit, but he is the kind of guy that just like feeds off the fire. It seems like that was his whole tenure at Georgia was like that. It was like, okay, you shouldn't be starting. JT Daniels should be starting. Well, that's too bad. I just won a national championship. Now he, now JT Daniels is gone. And then the season starts. We're like, Stetson Bennett really all that good. Maybe, you know, Carson Beck should be starting over him. Never changed, wins another natty. Like, you can keep questioning Stetson Bennett and his ability. He has it. He's got something there. Is he going to be, you know, a, a career, uh, you know, a top guy all time in the NFL? I don't think so. I, I don't think that is even in the realm of possibilities at the moment. But he's a guy that if you pick him up round five, round four, like, I feel like you can't go wrong there. You're right. I mean, he has a lot of the mental abilities and the composure that you would want in a quarterback. I know the age thing is a lot of concerns with him and Hendon Hooker, but his ability to be composed, to step up, to make big-time plays, you can't can't evaluate. It's something that every team wants and needs. So he's right. I, I would love to go see Stetson Bland play for the Falcons. It's somebody that we need. Yeah, I'm fine with it. But the Cowboys made an interesting move here. So it's not all Jerry's doing here in the draft because the Cowboys gave Dak a couple of uh, some tape on a couple of the wide receivers that the team may draft. They said that Dak will review the tape, likely reach out to the players to chat. And they said, maybe we take one, maybe we don't. Uh, Prescott said, it does feel good to have input and know it's listened to. I don't think there's any way that they go wide receiver. Absolutely. You know how when you were like younger and you gave your brother the controller that wasn't connected to make him feel like he was playing with you? Yep. That's that's what they're doing with Dak right now. I, like The Cowboys and Jerry Jones know what they want, and they always steamroll with the pick they want. So Dak might want a quarterback. He's not going to be there. So it's it's sad to say, it's sad to see, but it is what it is. Dax, I mean, I mean, I, I can see the Cowboys going out and getting a defense. They like their biggest opportunities are in defense. They need a they need some interior help. They need some 
corners, especially with them losing. Um, is it Vanderush? Yeah, at linebacker. Yeah. I, so I think, I, I, they did he stay? I, I thought he stayed. I thought they they let him walk. I'm blanking on it, but I do know that they let. Um, now I'm blanking on his Dalton Schultz. They let him walk. So I think that they might go tight end in the first round because this is a, a a very good class of tight ends, and they'd probably be one of the first teams to take one. So they'd get their pick. Um, you, you know are, that could be an option. Right. I'm sorry, you were right. They they still have him. Okay. Schultz is the one they did let walk. Yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, they do. They will have first pick in tight end. So, and there is a group of talented tight ends in this draft. Yeah, I, I think that wide receiver is just a, a ridiculous thing because you really just don't need. You you have Brandon Cooks now. You've already got Ceedee Lamb. I, I have no reason why you should take a wide receiver. You're right. They're stacked. So, I mean, tight end is going to be their go-to unless they reach for a running back. Or, I don't know. Yeah. I think I stick. I, I'd stick with Tony. I think this was probably one of the deeper tight end drafts too. Yeah, there is some fantastic picks. There's probably like six guys that I really like in this group of tight ends, at least um, that I'm I'm rather impressed with. But I, I do want to get your take on this real quick. So, at least twenty senior quarterbacks decided to return to school or the transfer portal, rather than declare for the NFL draft. Uh, and it looks like NIL collectives are delegating funds specifically for keeping or recruiting quarterbacks using NFL rookie salaries as their pay scale. So what do you think this is kind of doing to quarterbacks coming out of the draft? Because there's been plenty of guys where it's like, okay, fourth year's up, I'm just going to declare for the draft, see what happens. This definitely kind of changes the game for them. I think it it kind of shows that with NIL deals and the money being f- kind of infused to a lot of these players that it you don't have to go right away. You don't have to, like, how can I say it? You don't have to kind of rush into a, to a point where you're not going to get drafted or have a place to go. Yeah, and I think it definitely just creates more opportunities for some guys to show off what they have because, you know, there's a lot of players where maybe they didn't have a very good, you know, four years in college. Maybe they only started for one season. If they're going to get some NIL money to stay rather than go to the draft and possibly go undrafted, they can get paid for, you know, a year, make a little bit of money while they're still there, and then possibly put together a pretty good season and get drafted the next year. Like when it comes down to these kind of guys, you know, maybe they're not going to be NFL starters, but if you can be on salary with an NFL team, that it's a win for your career. Yeah. I mean, I've always said the best position is a backup quarterback. You get paid and you don't got to be in that much. Yeah. Like Chase Daniel is like the, probably had the easiest job of all time. For, for real, <laughs> there's so many guys like him that just the Josh McCown barely started like any NFL games. Now he's got a quarterbacks coach's job with the Panthers. Yeah, I mean the backup is kind of the the perfect position for a lot of these guys who aren't going to be a f- big name in the league. And it's there's nothing wrong with that. There's honestly not. You're still you made an NFL team. 
there's hundreds of thousands of people that can't say that. So it's it's a great thing. I think this might be the start of a developmental league or something like a deve- developmental system for in between college and NFL. And I think that's something that the NFL needs. Yeah, I, I think it works. Um, there have been conversations even just in this offseason where the NCAA is trying to partner with the NFL to create a developmental league, which I, I think it's interesting because – you know, we have these leagues going on right now, like the XFL and you know the USFL and the numerous other random leagues. And then you also have the CFL and stuff like that, where guys get an opportunity to show off, but it's not really, it's not always seen by the NFL. And it's not always seen by maybe the people that need to see it. And if they had a developmental league where it, I don't think it would be an affiliate system as much, like a MLB minor league team or like an NBA G league team. I I don't think it would quite be that same way because you still need a practice squad. So, you know, with a sport where your roster is just so big, it makes it pretty difficult to have like an affiliate system. But I do think a developmental league would be beneficial. I think leagues are like organization, like sevens, which would be like the seven on seven for skill positions. I think, that needs to be something that's kind of put out and show to the general. Cause I mean, if we're being honest, a lot of people don't care about what happens in the trenches. They only care about the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, the running back, et cetera. So just kind of making that kind of off seasons or when there's slow times between college and NFL, just kind of making that on either YouTube or whatever, it would be a great thing to kind of give a lot of these young kids, a lot of like spotlight and the ability to get some scouting from a lot of these teams. Yeah, I I think it's a fantastic idea. Let's talk real quick. Peter King said that C.J. Stroud is no lock to go in the top seven of this year's draft. Do you think that's, like, outlandish to say? Off his S2 score, is that low? I mean, it's it's always going to be kind of a a game with a lot of these players where – They'll say a lot of, you're not going to go top five. You're not going to go number one overall, or you're going to be a lock for number one. You you got to just block it out. I mean, is it a possibility? 1,000%. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't. I think that a team is going to pull the trigger on him if he's available early in the top five. But if he, if he sees things like that and he's listening, he just got to like put the headphones on and block it out. Yeah. Uh, you're telling me, if I was the Seahawks GM – and I'm drafting at number five, and CJ Stroud's just sitting there with the kind of contract I got Geno Smith on right now. I'm not passing up on CJ Stroud. That, that's setting him up for greatness, where he can have somebody like Geno Smith to kind of mentor him and to step in. There's not too much, like, there's not a bunch of pressure on Geno to say, I have to keep playing at this high level. Because maybe, like, he got the bag, but maybe he doesn't want to be like, a workhorse, a long-term player there. Maybe he just wants to try his best for these couple years. It gives him kind of somebody that he can kind of teach and mentor. Yeah, I really like that. Um, The word on the street is that Kyler Murray really likes Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, the offensive lineman, and has let that be known in the Cardinals building. Uh, Paris Johnson actually visited with the Cardinals just a couple of days ago. So, 
this looks like the likely opportunity, which it kind of ties into what I was going to say after this, that the Cardinals have started to get calls around uh, the number three pick. If they want Paris Johnson, they could certainly trade down into like probably out of the top six, top seven, um, and, and still be able to get him. I think the likely one in my eyes would be trading with the Lions. And I, I think it would work out well because then you drop down to six. You're not really worried about anybody ahead of you taking offensive line. Whereas if you drop down much lower, there's the possibility that the Raiders go out and get him. You know, something like that could happen. If they go down to six, let the Lions pick at three, the Lions are most likely going to take either. If Will Anderson's on the board, there's uh, you know a chance they take him. There's a chance they take like Jalen Carter, anybody like that on the defensive side. So you're not really missing out by doing it. I think that that, in my eyes, would be a, a great move if they want to get Paris Johnson. I've seen a lot of mock drafts agree with what you're saying. So I'm sure Kyler Murray does want somebody to help protect him. That, that's a need that the Cardinals have. And going to get a player like Paris Johnson is going to be like the first step that they need to improve to give him that protection, to keep him healthy, to keep him on the field. Drafting or trading down with the Lions would be ideal because the Raiders are another team that need O-line help. And that would kind of benefit both teams. Well, the Lions have to give up a haul probably, but it's going to be worth it. All right, Mike, you ready to break down? I mock draft. I am. I'm ready to have some fun with this. All right. Well, let's. We're gonna go in order, one to thirty-one, and uh, just gonna get your thoughts on every single pick that I've made. Anything you want to point out? Anything you disagree with? So let's get it started. Number one, Bryce Young to the Panthers. Uh, that's it's the correct pick. It's going to most likely happen. I will bet my house on it. I think he is a great pro. He will be a great pro. He has a lot of the abilities to be a pro, and I see a lot of kind of Russell Wilson in his game. So I I agree that that would probably be the perfect pick for Carolina. All right, and just for everybody listening, I haven't changed around my draft at all since we um, did our mock draft reveals last Friday. So the only thing that's changed, all I did was flip the Packers and Jets picks, but I kept the same players there. Um, There is a a very good chance that I update this before draft night. But for now, we're rolling with the order that I had um, last week. So number two to the Texans, I have CJ Stroud there. I think we we talked about it previously. He, the Texans have a lot of opportunity with having also the 12th pick to draft at 12 I honestly I don't think that they take CJ Stroud right there I think they go get a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or a Tyree Wilson that's what I'm hearing I, I think that's a little too high for him I think that's another reach I, I'm in the same boat but seems like people like him but at number three uh, I have the Cardinals I didn't really propose man, many trades in this one but it's probably something I'll rethink uh, when I to edit this a little bit, but for now, number three to the Cardinals, Will Anderson Jr. He is the top defensive player on the board outside of Jalen Carter. I think he is an immense talent. He will be probably one of the best edge rushers 
in the next two, three years. Cardinals picking them, it's, it fills a need that they have, and it's probably another fit. Will they trade that pick? We'll see on draft night, but as it shows now, I think that's a great fit. All right, and then at number four, I have the Colts taking Will Levis, uh, kind of for the same reasons that we talked about it earlier, where I think that it works the best with the situation that the Colts are in right now. I think Will Levis getting drafted that high all depends on what happens with CJ Stroud. Uh, he, I, They're in the position, I agree with you now, that he fits their position. I just don't know if they pull the trigger on having somebody who might be incomplete for them as a quarterback, especially with next year's draft quarterback draft looking a little bit better. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and then at five, I have the Seahawks taking Anthony Richardson kind of for the same reason where I said, like if the Seahawks have a guy like this on the board, knowing that they have Geno Smith on a rather team friendly contract and Geno has voiced that he is willing to help out a young quarterback on this roster. Anthony Richardson is the guy that needs some veteran help and just needs to learn. This would be a fantastic landing spot for him. You're absolutely right. That's probably the best landing spot for him to have a mentor. None of the other teams are have a player in the spot right now to mentor him. And I think the mentality of the game and improving his IQ will be the prime focus for him. So having a player like Geno Smith, who's been through the ups and downs, who's recently had success, you you can't hate that. You, I love that pick. All right, and number six, I've got the Lions taking Jalen Carter here. I think it'd be hard for him to fall past them. I think he drops more. I think the Lions make a kind of a gamble and they get like uh, Peter Skaronsky to tie with uh, what's well, I'm blanking on his name. Talking about what's the what position? He's the other outside tackle. Oh. Yeah, I'm blanking on that one. I know their center, Frank Ragnow. I'm, I'm blanking <laughs> on his name. That's going to kill me. I have, to, I have to look that up real quick. But yeah, I, I think that there is definitely an opportunity for them to go on the offensive line. But with how bad, you know, even with the addition of Aiden Hutchinson last year, their defensive line was pretty bad, uh, especially in the middle. And with the losses that they've had on the defense this offseason, I feel like defensive tackle is going to be something they have to address. And there is a huge drop-off, in my opinion, after Jalen Carter. So I I could see it going this way. Maybe they go for a defensive lineman when they pick at 18. Um, You know, they could get... skip out on any of the high-name corners that are available right now? Because that is also another need that they have. I, I certainly could see them taking Christian Gonzalez there. Because even Witherspoon, I, I I think that these are kind of – I see the need that you say that they have for a tackle, but I think that they benefit more, especially already having Hutchinson, they benefit more either going to get a, a corner right now or getting – I was talking about Panay Sewell, by the way. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. Getting some more O-line help for the quarterback that they're going to have to find eventually. Because Goff is not going to be the answer for the future. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely understand that being the case. They they need to 
protect the quarterback. And if they're not doing it at a high enough level right now, and also they need to help out the run game. Their run game was huge last year, and obviously they lost Jamal Williams, but you still have DeAndre Swift who showed to be a very helpful kind of like second chance running back. He got a lot of like the, you know, dump off passes that he turned into big plays. And I think that's going to continue to be a big part of their game. But if you want to help out that run game in general, if you pick an offensive lineman early, I get it. If you go for the secondary early, I totally get it because you still have another pick at 18 and there's going to be plenty of guys on the board there that can help out the defensive line. That's that's a fantastic point that you're making. All right, well, let's move to the Raiders at seven. I've got them taking Christian Gonzalez here. That's another one for me where uh, I can see Will Levis going there if he's not picked higher. Christian Gonzalez is a, is a great fit. I can even see Tyrese going there. I, I don't know how big they're going to be on picking a corner. I don't know. I, I think it's definitely something they need. I would I would be rather surprised if they go quarterback, you know, given that they picked up Jimmy G. Jimmy, he's another one, but he's not. I don't think they're they picked him up. I don't think they believe it's it's wild to say, but I don't think that's the the belief they have in him is going to carry them. Yeah, I, I definitely could see it, but I, I feel like it'd be early for them to take a QB, considering they, you know, spent a decent amount of money on him in free agency. That's a fair, yeah. But Christian Gonzalez, he's a, he's an all-world talent at corner. He had a, an amazing career at Oregon. I think he he's versatile. He's he has a comp to me for a rookie comp of um the the corner at in Seattle. God, why I'm blanking on a lot of names. Richard Sherman. Wollen. No, Wollen. Oh, oh, Tariq Wollen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think he'll have that same type of fit for the Raiders. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I like that. So for me, number eight, I had Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech falling to us at eight. I would love it. I love the the line help. Get get that D-line, get some more pressure on the quarterbacks, get some more tackles for loss. He was great at Texas Tech. I mean, I can't disagree with that pick. Yeah, and with David Onyemata and Calais Campbell already in the middle, I guess Grady Jarrett kind of switches between the edge and the inside. but Uh, Yeah. um, you know, adding a defensive end like Tyree Wilson with the build he has and the potential that's there, I, I think it could only help such a struggling pass rush. I agree. That's that's it's in a great he has a great physique, he has a great techniques, his hands. When you watch his game, you see he has great hands, he the power he kind of creates from his hips. That's exactly what we need in, for defense in the Falcons. All right. Number nine, the Chicago Bears. I've got them taking Paris Johnson here out of Ohio State. That's interesting. That's that's very interesting because I I see them taking going reaching for Jackson Smith because they they need more really? receiver help because they they need the the line help to keep him from scrambling, but I, I just see them getting more more receiver threats. I think that. If they're going to go with a wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigbo would be the option. I'm just not super sold on them going wide receiver, especially with, you know, it, it appears they've committed to Justin Fields. Taking an offensive lineman here just kind of further shows that, like, 
they want to help him out. It's true. I, it's true. They they need O line and they want him, but I don't see Fields. His his weapons is his legs, and having another receiver to be an outlet to him, so he doesn't have to necessarily scramble for his sixty yards, seventy yards. I feel like it's a priority. He, Paris Johnson had some issues at Ohio State with being kind of a like kind of frenetic at times. Like he he was be kind of stoic and not move enough and kind of pick up. And the way he field scrambles, I think that can be a detriment to his game. Okay, yeah, I, I think you make a great point there. So this is one of the only or the only trade that I proposed for the mock draft. I had the Panthers trading up to 10 uh, with the Eagles to take Zay Flowers out of Boston College. I don't. I don't. It fits. They, the Patriots need help. They need to give Mac Jones all the help he can possibly get. I think I, it's a fit. I don't see him being the highest wideout they take, though. I don't know. I think that they're just like – I think that they're very bought in on Zay Flowers from what I've been hearing. I've been seeing him graded as the top wide receiver in this class. Obviously, I've seen you know plenty of different wide receivers here graded number one. But I think the Patriots are very bought in on Zay Flowers. Um, you know, the rumor was that they paid his agent so that he'd play in like a particular postseason game. Um, like all sorts of stuff kind of pointing towards the Patriots wanting him. And with the Titans and Texans picking ahead of him and the Packers, really, all three teams that could go wide receiver here. It'd be very hard to get, or it's hard to, you know, gamble on the fact that you could get your guy after there's three teams right ahead of you that could take a wide receiver. It is, it is, do you see that as their need, though? Do you see that as the Patriots' biggest need? I think so. With, with, and yes, they did pick up Juju, but I, I feel like they still need more help in the receiving core, especially, you know, I've seen people saying that they're going to take Bijan Robinson. I think it's a little too early. I think we saw great things out of Ramondre Stevenson last year that would tell me that he should be their number one running back. So I don't see them going running back. Yeah, they could go for defensive help, but I really like their defense right now. And I just think that wide receiver makes the most sense in my mind. I, I see where you're coming from. I see a lot of their need for tackle also. So that's that's just where my concern is coming from. Yeah, I definitely understand that. But let's go to number 11. I've got the Titans taking Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, he, he's, an, he's an amazing talent. I mean, it's Ohio State. He has speed. He has a lot. His route tree is great. He's a He can catch a lot of great midfields. His ability to kind of get the separation is there. So it's, it's a need, and I agree. All right. Number 12, I have the Texans taking Quentin Johnston out of TCU just for some wide receiver help to help fill that hole of Brandon Cooks leaving. I think that that's a stretch for the talent he displays. I don't know if he is able to, if if that position is the accurate one for him. I think that would be a stretch for them to make that. Yeah, I think kind of in my mind, I certainly value him over you know, you know, considering that Zay Flowers and Jackson Smith and Jigba would be off the board, you know, in this mock draft, I see Quentin Johnson as the next guy. I think he's 
got a little bit of a better skill set than Jordan Addison. And considering, you know, in this mock draft, I have them taking CJ Stroud, having a deep threat wide receiver like Quentin Johnston would work very well for them. It's interesting because I have Addison going higher, personally having going higher than Quentin Johnson, just because of his straight line speed. That separation that they would need is, especially if you are going to get a, if you get a quarterback in the beginning to get another weapon that you can just kind of lob it up to when you have that certainty that he'll go down there and catch it. That's kind of my thought process for that. Yeah, I think they can't really go wrong with either of the two. I think Quentin Johnston's physical attributes definitely put him over Jordan Addison in my mind because, yeah, speed is fantastic. It it, it can be huge at times, but it, it's not really the end-all, be-all for all wide receivers. And, you know, depending on their quarterback situation next year, we don't really know if a, a deep threat wide receiver is really going to work out well. He's a deep threat, but he's also like very kind of like zippy. Where that speed, I know he has a smaller frame, and his like he has he has one of the most complete route trees that I've seen. So it's not even like if you need him to run a post route, and he has that separation. I think he just has kind of more weapons and abilities in his tree and his speed that kind of that gives me the little edge over Quinn. Okay, well let's move on. Number thirteen. Uh, this was originally where the Jets were going to pick. Now it's the Packers. I didn't want to switch up who they'd take just for so that Mike didn't have to completely change his <laughs> his note-taking. But here I have the Packers taking Nolan Smith out of Georgia. I, I, I personally disagree. I think the Packers need all the weapons they need for Jordan Love. I think they go for, like, I think Zay Flowers would fall kind of in this range. I think that they get they need to go offense if you want to kind of have a proof like hey we Aaron Rodgers wasn't really that guy for us he he served us well but Jordan Love can do what he needs to do I think they need to go offense and get some weapons and I also need to look at lots to give some more protection yeah and and I wouldn't under you know I, I wouldn't look past the Packers possibly going for a tight end that is a pass first kind of guy because Especially for young quarterbacks, we've seen it a lot where they rely on whoever can just be there in front of them to get a reception. And with yep. Jordan Love, and you know, though Jordan Love's been in the league for a couple of years now, I, he is still a young quarterback. He has little to like, he has one start in, in his career. And I, I think that a guy like Dalton Kincaid, who I have at 18 going to the Lions, who is essentially a duplicate of TJ Hawkinson would work out very well in a system with a young quarterback and a solid running game. You're, you know, you're absolutely right. I know a lot of quarterbacks and the young quarterbacks love their tight ends. They're kind of the sure hands. They can pull things down. And Dalton Kincaid is probably the second best quarterback here between him and Michael Mayer. You can't go wrong with either one of the two. Yeah. But no, I, I understand why you said that they probably won't address the defense here, but I will say they definitely could use some edge help. And I think it's their their safest pick here is to go for the defense. It, it just makes sense here. But I definitely would understand them going for some offensive weapons. 
But nonetheless, um, this is where I have the Eagles trading down to with the Patriots at 14. I have them taking defensive end Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I could also see them going for something on the interior, uh, but I think that's something they'll address later in the draft. I think that's a that's a great place for Van Ness to go. He is a playing at Iowa. You're going to play a lot of big men. You're going to be in the trenches a lot, and it's a very physical kind of conference to be in. I think the Eagles definitely need to address their aging line issues. I think going with Van Ness is ideal. All right, and then at 15, obviously Packers-Jets trade. I've still got the Jets going Peter Skaronsky at a Northwestern. I think he could go higher, but the Jets could definitely use it and just help out Aaron Rodgers in his first year a little bit more. Skaronsky would be a great pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a perfect place for Skaronsky, and you hit the nail on the head. All right, at 16, I've got the Commanders going for corner Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. I think that's kind of far for him to drop. I honestly truly don't believe he's available. If he is, I think that's a amazing steal. I kind of have him probably. Let me see. They they do definitely need to address it. I don't I don't think that Witherspoon is going to be there. I think maybe a Porter Jr. or Banks will be the corner that will they'll have the availability. Yeah, I, I definitely could see it. Um, but you know, with the way that my draft is set up, they've got to go corner here in my mind. I think that's the biggest thing they need to address. And, you know, with him being the best available, um, in my mock draft, I had to take him there. Yeah, that's no, that's the, the corner is going to be most likely their pick being that they're probably not going to have a great inside interior O-line or a quarterback available that they're going to want. I think corner is going to be the position that they address. All right. And then at 17, I've got the Steelers taking Joey Porter Jr. Mainly, you know, not just because I I think he's the third best. I, I rate him just a little bit higher than Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Um, but also because his father played for the Steelers. And I think that the Steelers, they need a corner. And it's going to be a great place for a corner because they just signed Patrick Peterson. Exactly. I mean, you get a uh, one of the best in the kind of current age to mentor you, and you have the history with his dad. Joey Porter would be a great pick if he's available. All right, and then at number eighteen, I've got the Lions taking tight end Dalton Kincaid. Like I said earlier, it's mainly just a fill the role of T.J. Hawkinson with a guy that is like a carbon copy of T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, I think uh, the, the Lions are another one where a the loss of Jeff Okuda is going to kind of affect them, but they also need to replace. Oh, why why do I blank? I'm blanking on just like Hawkinson. They just, like the loss of the Hawkinsons to the uh, Vikings is going to be something that's kind of prime for them because he was their one of their best receiving options last year while he played for them. Yeah, so and, I think. Oh no, go ahead. Uh, I think going for a tight end like Kincaid or Mayers, whichever one is available, even even if they wanted to reach, and this will be a hell of a reach to go for Darnell Washington, I mean, that's that's where they need to address. That's the kind of the route they need to go. Yeah, I, I think the main thing that put Kincaid here for me is that 
he is probably the best like passing game first tight end. And, and that's exactly what TJ Hawkinson was for them. And that's why he was so successful there was that, you know, with the quarterbacks that he had with Stafford, with golf, it, it just worked out very well for him. And I think that a tight end like Dalton Kincaid and, and with, you know, the wide receiver issues that the Lions are going to run into with two of them being suspended, they just had to cut one of them. They definitely they need reliable pass catchers because you can't throw to Amon Ross St. Brown every single time. As much as I would love for them to do it, because I'm hopefully going to get him in fantasy again next year, I will say you can't throw it to him every single time. And I think that having a reliable pass catcher like Dalton Kincaid would certainly serve them well. No, that's that's absolutely true. I, I would right now I'm not believing how much I'm agreeing with you, but that's that's correct. I mean he at Utah, he was one of their prime premier receivers. So he has sure hands. He's not you're not gonna get a lot of blocking from him. And that's not what they asked him to do at Utah. But for what they need, he will be a nice replacement for again, forgot Hawkinson. <laughs> All right. Number 19, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have them going for Brian Branch out of Alabama. I I could see them going for Bijan Robinson because they definitely need the running back help. But I think that the defense is so much more important for a team that is clearly in a rebuilding phase. Because if you're going to have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback next year, uh, you better hope you got a good defense because I got a feeling they'll be on the field quite a bit. And picking up a guy like Brian Branch, who I think is easily the best safety in this class. It's not a very strong safety class year. Brian Branch would be the one to go with. So my thing with Brian Branch is his size. He's, well, real quick, I need to take my Auburn cap off because I feel a type of way about Alabama. But the thing about Brian Branch is he's kind of undersized. And he, even at Alabama, he played a lot closer to the line. I see if they do get him. He's playing kind of a nickel. Like he goes into a corner, he, like DB position, and he plays some nickel. He he's a great. He's probably one of the best tackling DBs in this draft. So that's what Tampa Bay needs. They need great defensive players because, like you said, Baker Mayfield is going to have turnovers. He is not going to get you the touchdowns and get you off the field as you like. Yeah, and I, I think that. The biggest thing for me here is that he, like you said, he can either play nickel or he's going to be playing free safety. And, you know, the fact that, you know, when I was looking at it, the comparison is Mika Fitzpatrick. Like, it just lines up so well for Brian Branch to to be successful in the league. And I think that playing on a defense with guys like Jamel Dean, who had a fantastic year last year, and Levante David, Devin White, like having guys like that on a defense – to just learn from guys like Levante David is a a seasoned veteran in this league and a guy that even though he's a linebacker, anybody could learn from him and his experiences in the game. So having a, a pretty strong veteran portion of that defense mixed with the youth, I think they could definitely have a great defense next year if they go with Brian Branch. I, I agree. That's He's a great defensive uh, player. I think – he he fills a role that Tampa Bay so desperately will need, and he has a lot of mentors. That's my big thing for a lot of these rookies, and something I like to harp on is that a lot of these players are going to need mentors, not just from a 
kind of football aspect from but from a personal aspect and Tampa Bay has a lot of vets and they have a lot of talented players that is going to kind of help this guy grow. All right, number 20, the Seahawks. I've got them taking Miles Murphy out of Clemson primarily because of my thought that they take Anthony Richardson at 5. Otherwise, I think they'd address the line much earlier, but with how I have it set, I think Miles Murphy is kind of their best pick here. I'm kind of surprised to see Miles Murphy dropped. I know earlier in the kind of pre-draft, pre like offseason, the early offseason, he was a lot higher. He's he's a talented guy. He played in Clemson and he was one of the better D linemen that I saw. So if that, it's a steal for them, if they're if that's the position they're gonna address, I think that's a steal. Yeah, I think that what kind of happened is a lot of teams have favored the outside linebacker for pass rush, you know, even just in the past couple of years. And with guys in this draft, like Will Anderson, who is an outside linebacker, but, you know, really a pass rusher. If Tyree Wilson's not going to be there and Lucas Van Ness isn't going to be there, then you kind of have to go with Miles Murphy here, unless you want to go maybe for Will McDonald. Uh, out of Iowa State, he's another option, but he'd be kind of like the outside linebacker type. They're, they have a lot of options here to address the defensive line in different ways. I just think that, yeah, Miles Murphy, a guy that very highly touted for them to be able to get him at 20, I feel like it'd be hard to pass up. You're absolutely right. If he falls that far down, I mean, he's he, to me, he's another steal. All right. At 21, I've got the Chargers taking Bijan Robinson. And this is primarily because... First of all, he's on the board, and because I don't think they're going to end up keeping Eckler. No, I think Eckler's gone. I think they need to fill that role. Bijan is going to be probably the best talent out of this draft. He has all, playing at Texas, you saw he has all of the intangibles. He has that elusiveness that you would love, and he's a running back. Eckler was a receiving back. He could run. Bijan is a running back, and he will get you yards, and he will be a workhorse in production, nothing but pure production. Yeah, and I think that you know his his impact will actually matter. His impact will be for a team that certainly is a playoff contender. Unlike you know some of the other options that you know could go running back, like the Buccaneers, like we said, like if he's on the Buccaneers, yeah, he can he's going to put up crazy numbers. Maybe he gets himself an offensive rookie of the year, but maybe they come in last in the NFC or in the NFC South. So I think that the fact that his yards are actually going to matter with the chargers, I think that that's a big part of, you know, what his impact could be for that offense. I agree. I also think that it's possible that the chargers go and pick up if he's available Addison or a wide out at this position too, depending on where internally they are with why um golly blanking again with um Keenan Allen. No, the running no. back. Oh, with uh, Eckler. Eckler, Austin Eckler. Golly. Where they're at with Austin Eckler, because maybe internally they're fine. One more year, two more years. They go pick up a wide out to and give some relief to Keenan Allen because he just spent a season playing maybe four or five games max. Yeah, they're the wide receiver spot has been interesting with the Chargers because when you look at it on paper, they've got Keenan Allen, they've got Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer did a great job filling in for those two last year. 
they have talent there, but Keenan Allen's getting up there in age. Mike Williams is starting to get there as well, and the injuries for both of them and the inconsistencies of both of them kind of forced Eckler to be the primary receiver there. So if they don't have Eckler, how good is that receiving game going to be? So, yeah, I definitely could see them going for a wide receiver here. Um, That would definitely be another option. Uh, I think they they have options right now at 21. I think that Robinson is a great pick, but they need it. I think they'll kind of waive some other options too. Yeah. All right. Number 22, the Baltimore Ravens. I've got them taking Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Getting some corner help. Uh, I, I, that's an, I think they're in another, they're another team that wide receiver. Yeah. If they want, if they want to keep uh, Lamar happy with what they've given him in the past, any of the available wide receivers will kind of supersede their defense especially getting Roquan and paying him so much money. Their defense is was decent. I think they ranked 14th last year, which is like kind of midway. But offensively, they need to have somebody to keep Lamar in the pocket, ability to step up and not have to kind of scramble looking for somebody. Yeah, I, I think, you know, right now with Odell's signing, they have a decent thing going when it comes to receiving game. Devin Duvernay showed last year that he can be a, a pretty reliable wide receiver. He can do a pretty good job. Obviously, the drops were a little bit of an issue, but you have him, you have Odell, and of course you have Mark Andrews at tight end. They have options there, and, and it kind of leads me to think that maybe a second-round wide receiver fits them a little bit better, um, whereas you know in this first round where you know there is the opportunity – for Jordan Addison to go higher than 22, there's a chance that kind of all of the wide receivers that I have in this first round that, you know, are the guys that I really think have first round grades are off the board. And at that point, is it worth taking like a Jalen Hyatt at 22? I I just don't think it could go that way. That's, that's definitely a fair point to make depending on how the kind of, I think that's the tough thing with doing like these pre-drafts is that we, none of us know. None of us know exactly how it's going to go. So given with how your draft is going, I agree that for them to take, to get some type of defensive help would be the best option, depending on who's left. Yeah. All right. At number 23, I've got the Vikings going with Kalaja Kansi out of Pitt, the defensive tackle. Not a big fan of him. He's kind of an undersized D lineman. Um, he. He just doesn't give me enough, like his he's his undersized frame. He's going to get eaten a lot at the NFL label. He doesn't have like an anchor. He doesn't have like a big like like he can't set himself. So I it's like a worry for me to see like they're going to target him. They know that they don't have to single. There's going to be a single coverage. They don't have to double him. So. That's kind of my fear of him going, especially this high. I don't think he's a great pick for Minnesota. I I think he's kind of an overrated prospect right now. Yeah, to me here, I think it's kind of between Cansey and Brian Brise. Uh, you know, possibly Mozzie Smith as well out of Michigan. But you know, in in my eyes, I feel like he kind of fits, even though he is a little bit undersized. I I like what he offers a little bit more than what Brian Brzee offers. Mainly 
just like potential wise. I I can see that. I I I just wonder how, especially being interior, being on the inside, how that size will affect him. Yeah, I I could definitely see that concern. Uh, at twenty four, I've got the Jags taking edge Will McDonald the fourth out of Iowa State, mainly because I think they need to address the edge, and he's in my mind clearly the best one available at that point. Yeah, this is another pick that's going to be like availability. Um, he he, I remember in Iowa with him and Van Ness that he would line up really wide. He has great speed, so I think his ability for where he's at and the edges that are left, he's probably one of the better ones. And Jacksonville's in a position where offensively they're kind of sound. They kind of have a lot of their things, questions answered, and they don't have a lot of wiggle room. So I think going D line would probably be, be their best option. Yeah. So I got to check you real quick because you said that him and Venice went to Iowa together. Will McDonald. Or what I think. State. Iowa State, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, I understand what you're saying. It, he does line up wide. Uh, and I think it's his burst off the edge that makes him such a threat. Um, super strong as well, but he's got finesse. And, and that's a big part of the edge. It's what, you know, the, both the Boses have, you know, uh, the premier edges in this league have the ability to jump off the line quickly and they have the finesse when it comes to just beating, you know, either a tight end or, um, you know, an exterior offensive lineman. Yeah, that 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 speed is going to be his biggest thing. Like he can line up so wide out, and still, it's not a liability. He still gets to the quarterback. He still gets to the player in the backfield quickly. So I think some like he just needs to work on like some like fluidity. He has great technique, but kind of getting fluid with it. And stuff like like you grow in the NFL, so I think he he's a great pick for where he's at. All right, at twenty five, I've got the Giants taking Jordan Addison here. I think that it's easy to say they're taking a wide receiver because with Richie James leaving, uh, you know, and giving Daniel Jones so much money, you got to give him some weapons to back it up. I can see that. I can see them. They. No matter what anybody says, they need wide receiver help. They also need interior line help to give Saquon some kind of better running lanes because that that was, even last year, a big problem. Wide receiver and interior line are their two biggest needs, and Addison, if available, he, he's a stud. Yeah, I think there's also a chance maybe they go for Osiris Torrance out of Florida to address the interior offensive line, but in my eyes, wide receiver is what they got to do. Yeah, it's depending. It's just even in free agency, there's not many names that you would want to go grab. If he's available, he's a definitely go get. All right, at 26, I've got the Cowboys taking Brian Brise. Um, there's other ways that they could go. I could definitely see them taking a tight end here, uh, but I feel like the defensive line is something they need to address right now. Yeah, I think many of the other mock drafts also have them, them taking a the tight end. D-line is going to be an issue, especially cap-wise in the future, just because they've paid a lot of their offensive players. So I think going to get Brian Breesy, he's a great player in Clemson. I think that's the right move to make. Yeah, uh, I think that you can't really go wrong here with Brise. 
Obviously, you know, people have had their complaints about him, but as an interior defensive lineman, you know, people try to take a hit at his speed. And it's like, it's not the attribute that we need to be looking at. Brian Brzee is just strong mentally and physically. He's a giant. And I just think that the effect that he has in the, like the way that we've seen him match up, you know, even just in college against some of the best offensive linemen in, in college football, they're scared to face him. They, they're going to double him. He is the kind of force that we see on the line. And he, he's kind of your prototypical defensive tackle. You know, maybe he's not going to excel in the NFL, but I think he could certainly be like a day one starter. Definitely. With, with the size he has and some of the tools he that's available, like his ability, he plays already like a starter in the NFL. So it's it's he's a talent. I think the injury aspects of like tearing the ACL, I want to say, is going to be the only thing that would have that really caused him to drop in my opinion. But he he's a all class talent. That's something that Dallas or Dallas would love to have. All right, at twenty seven, I've got the Bills going for offense, uh, interior offensive lineman Osiris Torrance out of Florida. I really like the idea of them going for the offensive line because, uh, you know, we got to watch a lot of Bills football last year and Josh Allen needs time in the pocket because he is so talented. Why is he having to just chuck the ball up in the air every single time? Because the offensive line just absolutely folds like every single time. They need to essentially, like their first couple of picks in this draft, they've got to address the offensive line. I disagree. I think if if I was the Bills GM, I would be finding any type of way to move up to get Bijan. He, they, I think the main issue that they have is the lack of a true run game. Because a lot of the things, a lot of the issues we saw with the Bills last year were like drop passes. And that's kind of the things that hammered them. But they also had no run game to kind of give relief. All of these receivers where Stefan Diggs was just running. He would streak. He like it was just constant play after play of passing, and they didn't really get any kind of rest. I think their run game is kind of the priority for them. Yeah, and I think Bijan would be the best fit here. I think the trouble that they'll have is who can they really trade up with um, at twenty seven to get in a position to take Bijan? Because there's you know there's the chance that he goes pretty early. There's also a chance that, you know, like I said, uh, that he goes to the Chargers, possibly the Buccaneers. Like, where do you trade up to where you know for sure that you're going to get him? If personally, and you would still be reaching for Bijan, trading with the now like Packers or even maybe the Lions would probably be your best chance of getting him. Yeah, I could see Lions definitely being an option there at 18, especially considering that they're already going to pick at six. An early, yeah. So that I kind of like, I I think the need at rush and not having the greatest run game last year is kind of something that propels them, that needs to propel them. They do have guard issues, and they even probably could get a wide receiver or tight end. I think going run game would be kind of ideal. Yeah. At 28, I've got the Bengals taking Michael Mayer, tight end at another dame. I think he fits here the best. They lost Hayden Hurst. They need to help out, you know, 
blocking for Joe Burrow. And I think that taking Michael Mayer, who is a, a fantastic blocker as well as a great pass catcher, works very well for them. I think them taking Michael Mayers makes the Bengals even scarier. That that the guy is a stud. Yeah. His size, he's a great blocker. He he's a big boy. So yeah. I, I think you give them that weapon along with all the offensive weapons. The Bengals are looking to try to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think the only thing that would turn them away from going tight end is if Brian Branch is still on the board somehow at twenty eight. Because safety is certainly something they need to address. With Jesse Bates and Von Bell leaving. Yeah, yeah, they do have big holes in safety. But I don't think Branch would be there. So if Mayers, I mean, I'm I'm just kind of conceptualizing in my head having him line up with Joey, um, Joe Shiesty and just that team. That, that offense is probably one of the best offenses in the league next year. Oh, yeah, certainly. Let's talk 29, though. New Orleans Saints, I've got them taking Keon White, the edge rusher out of Georgia Tech, mainly because they have to address the defensive line because the Panthers and Falcons essentially stripped them of all of their defensive line help. And it's easily the thing they need to address. And I think Keon White is a guy that's flown up boards recently and for good reason. Super physical guy, pretty big, and a very strong pass rusher, I think he'd be a great fit here. He is a great pass rusher that they have. Um, Another athletic build, he lines up pretty much everywhere in Georgia. Like, he can line up in any tech. He He's a good fit. The Saints are going to struggle next year defensively. So I think, I think that's perfect. All right, and then at number 30, I've got the Eagles taking defensive tackle Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. Uh, I think this is kind of just like a we need to fill the hole of Javon Hargrave. And and even if Mozzie Smith isn't going to start day one, which I I probably don't think he will because you'll still have like Jordan Davis to put into that role at least day one. So I I like the idea of taking defensive tackle because they, they do need to address the defensive line. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about their pick, uh, taking Lucas Van Ness, if they can just load up this defensive line with even more young talent, then it's going to work out so well as guys like Josh Sweat um, kind of transition out of this team. No, I agree. That D-line is going to be a big, another big thing that they need to look for. Um, I disagree with it being Mozzie. I think Benson would probably be the better pick. Just because he has better technique on the inside, but and he's uh, his size wise, he's just a little bit bigger or wider. I think um, I think that would be the more accurate kind of pick for them. All right, yeah, I like that. And then for the final pick in the first round, I've got the Chiefs taking kind of dual threat defensive tackle or edge rusher Adetomawa Adebowale out of Northwestern. He's just one of my favorite guys, and I really want him to go in the first round. But at the same time, I think the Chiefs have the liberty of having an absolutely fucking stacked roster, and they can just kind of pick whoever they want. And I think this guy is a fantastic option because you've already got Chris Jones, George Karloftis um, on that defensive line. So adding a guy with versatility where he can just kind of do whatever he needs to works very well, and I, I love kind of the speed-power combination for a double war. 
uh, I want to give you credit because that was excellent pronunciation. So my hat's off. Um, but you're right. They the team is so loaded that anything that they get is just another benefit. I kind of see them leaning to a, getting a tackle to give some more help for Patty Mahomes, but at at a boy, nope. It's at a at okay. Oh, the last name is Adebowore. Adebowore. I think he's he's an excellent fit. I think he he has a possibility of going a little bit higher, but I think they kind of try to get some more offensive protection, going for like a Jones, Dewan Jones from Ohio State too. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them to go for offensive line either. Yeah, I think I think getting as much help, even and they also lost. Uh, he went to the Patriots. Juju, Juju. They they lost Juju. So also, I mean, they might reach for a later uh, second round wide receiver in the first. Yeah, we definitely could see that happen. Um, I don't know. I, I still think they're kind of in the running for DeAndre Hopkins, even though people have talked about kind of the money being the problem there. Um, I still think he's an option. Yeah, I think money's going to be a bigger problem than a lot of people want to give, like, admit, like, you're going to have to pay that man. Yes. That, that is trying to get him to line up. That's the unfortunate part of picking him up. So, yeah. I mean, I I surprisingly agree with a lot of this draft, this mock draft. I think it's a really good and complete draft. I'm glad. Thank you, Mike. You're kind of disappointed. I want to kind of yell and scream at you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I didn't go too crazy with a lot of you my did picks. It. You, you did it. It's a, it's a really good draft. I kind of got into some of your mind when you were explaining it. I think that a lot of them are kind of perfect fits. I, need, I think a lot of these GMs need to call you up. Uh, gladly. Get me on the phone. Terry Fonno. <laughs> I'm like an hour away from the stadium. Hit me up. I'm glad to help. But I'd like to what, – what's my letter grade? We'll, we'll go like A-plus all the way down to F-minus. If I, if I take out all of the, the trade aspects, some of your trades and kind of where they at, I think it was a solid B, B-plus. Okay. I'll take that. First ever mock draft I've ever done. So I, I like it. I, I think I'll, you I'll did a great job. I can't wait to hear you and Luke talk about both of y'all drafts on Thursday. I think that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, and hopefully you can join us um, later in the uh, draft uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I'll be ready to collect my money. Yeah, we'll see. AR-15. We'll see. But let's get into stake your claim, and then we'll get out of here. Mike, I want to give you the honors. It's your first time on. I want to hear what you got. All right. So I, I just said his name, but Anthony Richardson, he will be the best quarterback in this class. You can I, chalk it up. You can oh, write man. it down. He is going to surpass Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson, Stetson Bennett. He is going to be the best quarterback that comes from this draft. I fucking love that pick. I want y'all to write it down. He's going to be a legend. He is he's going to be great. And and for an Auburn fan and a Florida State fan to be agreeing that a Florida quarterback is going to be fantastic means that he's definitely doing something different. I <laughs> yeah. love Anthony Richardson. 
Yes, sir. He he's, he has talent. He has size. He's going to have to put in a crap ton of work to get to where I think he can be. But I think he has that ability. I love it. All right. So my take is a little bit more like overall of this draft class. I think that the media is painting this draft class very poorly. We keep hearing like all these teams saying like, oh, we only have you know, 15 players with a first-round grade and all this stuff. I see this being a, a rather similar draft to 2018. Um, that that 2018 draft already has 15 players that have made a Pro Bowl. And I feel like we really underrated it because, like, the top QBs weren't what we expected. Because in that 2018 draft, we had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and then obviously Josh Allen, who is more than we ever thought he'd be. But with those three quarterbacks kind of busting outside of them, just in the top 10, all but Mike McGlinchkey, who just got a bag from the Broncos and is one of the best offensive tackles. The rest of the players that got drafted in the top 10 are already have been pro bowlers. Saquon, Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan Smith. And then right outside of the top 10, 11, 12, and 13 with Minka Fitzpatrick, Vita Vea, and Deron Payne. They have all been pro bowlers. Fifth, or 16 through 20, Tremaine Edmonds, or Tremaine Edmonds Derwin James, Jair Alexander, Leighton Vander Esch, Frank Ragnow. They've all been pro bowlers. Like, and, and Lamar no, Jackson. No, keep going. You Lamar got DJ Jackson, Moore. Well, yeah, DJ Moore was in this Calvin draft. Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Like, Hayden Hurst was in this draft. He's a, a very good t- um, was it was it Chubb in this draft too? Uh, yeah, he went in the second round. Sonny Michelle went in the first round. Who he hasn't really been what we thought he was, but had a couple of good years. Lamar Jackson was the thirty second pick in this draft. That's crazy. Nick Chubb, Shaq Leonard, Ronald Jones the second, Cortland Sutton, Mike Gesicki, like so many good players. And that's into the second round. Shit, there's like Pro Bowlers. Josh Sweat went in the fourth round of this draft. And You're freaking a super big name. I know he went in the third round. Fred Warner, I mean, yeah. one of the best middle linebackers. This is like you, you're hitting it on the head. This is one of the deepest drafts. When you go back and look at it, like the talent top to bottom is everywhere. And might I add, uh, Foyasada Luakon, uh, I believe, was in this draft out of Yale. And I'm pretty sure he went in like the sixth or seventh round. Yeah, sixth round, 200th overall pick to the Falcons. Yep. Uh, two-time in a row tackle leader in the NFL, and Foya Sadaluakon was in this draft. Like, so many great players in this draft, and I see a lot of parallels to how people kind of wrote off this draft and how they're writing off the 2023 draft class. No, you're absolutely right, because when you kind of get through the weeds and look deeper into this draft class, there is a lot of diamonds. There's a lot of people who are going to make big names and big splashes, even if they go later in day two, day three, even undrafted. There's a couple guys I think that are going to go undrafted. It's This draft class is impressive. Yeah, and it's uh, to, undoubtedly. Like, like um, He's also from SMU Rice. He's going to be a great wide receiver. Yeah. And he like, has a little... Go ahead. Of the undrafted guys from 2018, uh, Philip Lindsay, a pro bowler, uh, Kyle Allen, who had a couple of or had that good season in Carolina, J.C. Jackson, one of the best corners in the league, 
JT Gray, who was a pro bowler at safety, like just ridiculously deep draft class. And I love the prospects that I've seen in 2023. Yeah, it's it's I think there's a lot of parallels, like you said, and similarities. And I think that you're absolutely right. This draft class is going to have a lot of that feel. I think they are underrating it because of those big names that are in like the top five, but and the needs of a lot of teams for quarterback. It feels like it's been a while since a lot of teams needed quarterback. So it's kind of like a a mad rush for one. But once you kind of everything settles down and after the draft and a year or two goes by, we're going to see how deep and a lot of kind of reaches and a lot of teams missing out on great talent. Well, Mike, you got anything else for the people? Oh, uh, no, I just want to say I, I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be on a future podcast that's going to be amazing. I already know there's big things. I want to give a shout out to you, Brock, Luke. Y'all are doing great things. So y'all got to keep it up because this thing's going places. All right, man. I appreciate it. Mike, thank you for filling in. Hopefully we'll see you on Thursday uh, for the draft night special. Make sure you guys check that out. It's going to come out Friday morning. It's going to be our full live reaction to the draft. We're going to be talking all sorts of stuff. We got a special guest coming on that I'm not going to announce until the day of it. But give you a little hint. He's got a little bit of college football experience, but I'll leave you with that. Mike, once again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. It's going to be great. We will see you guys on Friday. Peace. Have a great one.